welcome to a chat in the garden where significance blooms here on Survival Radio Network. Hello, hello, hello. So, I am just still tinkled pink about our celebration that we had on Monday. We celebrated six years of being on the podcast with Chat in the Garden uh, with Monique A.J. Smith, uh, where significant blooms in athletics and sports business. And uh, it was fabulous. We had uh, over 100 people registered. And uh, I would say a third of them made them in there, but we had a ball, a total ball. So I want to give a couple of shout-outs and a couple of highlights. Um, uh, Shout-out to uh, Dr. Christine Kelly, Executive AD for Dartmouth. She served as our MC. She was great. She had great engagement. We found out uh, the hated hairstyles of everybody, the names of people's cars, um, their best uh, meal. And then we actually, the part I loved the most, you know, we got the best um, advice from each other. And so uh, uh, that was And so, um, yes. Christine Kelly was the the, the the gauger with the most, and so she was great. Appreciate her. We had DJ, we had DJ Shanghai. Uh, it's so funny. I woke up uh, this morning with some of the songs in my head, um, and the one that keeps uh, coming in my head is Erica Badu, Love of My Life. And so thank you for that. And, uh, you know, if you all know me, I put you on the spot in a heartbeat. So I had the privilege to attend Dr. Renee Miles Payne's wedding, and I heard her most beautiful voice, so you know what it did. So Dr. Renee um, Payne is our very first uh, double award winner. Um, uh, she was the most listened to podcast of the first season. So, of course, she's going to be in the house, and so what the Zoom room, as we call it. And, uh, hey, I said, can you give us an opening? And so she did. And... Uh, it was so such a uh, a great song for such a great time. Um, she said the song was I uh, name of the the lyrics were I can see clearly now the sun. Uh, I don't even know what the words are. I want to say the sun is gone, but it can't be that because you're trying to see clearly. Um, but yeah, we joined in the in the singing and. That's what we needed, y'all. We just needed to celebrate. We just needed to, since we couldn't see each other, hug each other, we could at least see each other and laugh together and dance together and get to know each other even more. And guess what? We had one guy. We had Rob Knox. And Rob, look, Rob is the SID to the heart. He took the best picture. And uh, a shout-out to him. Uh, he just took a job as uh, SID at uh, UNC Greensboro. I'm happy for him. Have known him for years, and uh, oh yeah, brave brother. Okay, his name is Brave Brother for Life, and uh, uh, he joined in and he had a good time. He had a good time. But took the best picture, y'all. That's the one I've been using to promote. Um, Amanda Knight. Oh, now see, we got multiple talents inside the garden. So Amanda Knight, she's at Barry University down there in Miami. And uh, but she has her own uh, jewelry and now clothing line, 
called Royal Court for Us. And interesting enough, it was four years ago that she launched it. She came to the reception. She gave me this bracelet with a beads with a crown on it, and she said I was her inspiration for starting uh, this jewelry line because she wanted to do something for the queens that helped her. And I was like, oh, my God. So you know, every reception, I'm giving her the platform to show her stuff off, right? So, but this year she gave prizes and just showed her because she took such great effort of typing all a hundred and some uh, registry and, uh, and had a spin wheel. So we had a spin wheel to see if we can get the prizes. So that was fun. That was fun. But you had to be there. You had to be there to be able to receive it. Dee uh, Dee Merrick, uh, NCA Leadership Development, was our sponsor. Now, Let's be clear. I have professional development workshops. She has professional development workshops. And guess what? There's no competition. There's no competition. Um, Mine is one-on-one. Hers is group. And guess what? We all grow. And we're all out here for you. So um, she's been a sponsor for this uh, reception or this celebration at this point uh, for the last three years. And does not hesitate. And so I appreciate her 1,000%. We have a new sponsor, Emmanuel Washington. He has a documentary, people. And and if you just take a look at it inside the Facebook group, uh, because it's interesting. Uh, I found him actually through Clark, the the CEO of Survival Radio Network. He... uh, he had the interesting uh, thought of doing a documentary about women being uh, the number one fan in football. So he had to stop because of COVID, but uh, yours truly will be part of the documentary, and um, I'm excited about that. And the documentary is called She Number She Number She the Number One Fan, and. Uh, and he said something like to the effect that uh, gender, the competition has no uh, gender. So I thought that was interesting, and, you know, it just ties to my brand. So, But uh, he asked me, is there any way he could assist me with the celebration? I said, sure. Um, our Dev Award winner, um, you know, I sent a plaque, and uh, so I mailed that to our winner, which I'm going to tell you who that was. And then um, I'll give a bouquet of flowers. And I, for years I just wanted to always do the subscription box for flowers, but I really could never uh, afford that. And so uh, he contributed. So uh, our Deb Award winner for Season 5 was uh, Kayla Shea Mendez of Women Leaders in College Sports. And, um, and she gave remarks as well. And so she will receive three months of blooming flowers, um, all due to um, um, Mr. Emmanuel Washington, the creator and director of a documentary called She Number One Fan. So I'm excited about that. And then we had entertainment. So I'll tell you about Dr. Renee singing. Then we had Kiki, Kiki Baker Barnes. Uh, she played um, on, on her guitar. And uh, just glad to be able to show all the dimensions uh, that the members are. 
and and that's so key. That's so key because you want to be able to show all sides of yourself so people can be able to connect with you in different ways other than uh, just your day-to-day job. And uh, it's another sidebar. Um, The receptions were begun because of Kiki. Kiki uh, uh, had been on the show the first season, and then we had dialogue because, um, you know, we were talking about, I asked her if she could get me on the docket for the NAIA convention, and she did. She got me on diversity, um, uh, speaking about diversity. And uh, I had a packed house, and so made her look good, and so we just started a fast friendship and then uh, had our very first connecting event at uh, Queens College hosted by Jeannie King uh, because she said to me she didn't know any other women ADs such as herself. I said, oh, girl, I'll fix that. Everybody I know, you're going to know. So then I just expanded it by going to the NACTA convention and having a reception at my timeshare with my husband being the hostess with the mostest with me, and uh, and that's where she met everybody. So, um, again, you know, when you know your purpose is not just for you, it's for others, it continues to flourish. It continues to flourish. And the the last person I want to tell you about, she brought the house down, okay? And I'm waiting and waiting. I mean, I could just cut and paste and put that up here, but... I want her to be able to uh, um, uh, put it out herself. Zakia Harrison, uh, SID, Tennessee State University, she did two pieces spoken word. But the one she did, she wrote 30 minutes before the show, brought the house down. You hear me? And so if you're listening, if you all are friends with her, tell her to get it up, pop it up, because we're going to blow that thing up, okay? So, Again, uh, six years celebrating Chat in the Garden, uh, celebrating the Devil Award winner, uh, Kayla Shea Mendez. Thank you for all those who uh, registered, those attended. And for those who had a hard time, um, I, I know it was like going through uh, Fort Knox, but I didn't want any Zoom bombs, and so I had to do it that way. I, I sat in on a Zoom bomb, and I was so embarrassed, and that was not going to happen to me. So there were so many different locks and things to go through to get there. So I appreciate you all. And, uh, oh, another announcement, another a great announcement. We just hit the um, 1,700 mark. Uh, we did that yesterday, but we had so much celebration going on, I didn't want to get clouded up in there. But, yes, we just hit the 1.7K mark, and so – uh, congratulations to us. Um, and, you know, I got a couple of uh, uh, resources for you. One of the ones that I'm really proud about being a, a, associated with, I'm a co-organizer of Dr. Chico Carwell's um, weekly webinar uh, surrounded around creating a success culture. And Dr. Chico Carwell is a executive search uh, consultant and uh, it's twofold. Um, so I think we've been going on about two and a half months now, and uh, we average about eleven folks, well, eleven to fifteen people a a week. And the key is is that um, uh, what you continue to say, uh, presidents are looking for executives. 
there's no longer um, you coach for years and then you become an athletic director. And uh, he's really coaching you to get that job, and that's why I partner with him. Because, again, I'm here uh, to help advance you. I'm planting seeds. And um, for him to get to know you and to be able to uh, um, speak on your behalf with his colleagues and putting you in the pool is crucial, all right? And that's what basic all executive coaches, I mean executive search firms do. However, the added plus is that he is teaching you um, models to use to create a success culture. And when I tell you he is a studier of leadership, whenever I talk to him, he's telling me what he is reading. Uh, Right now he is intensely into this document um, that search firms are looking at um, uh, placement in the midst of COVID and what people are looking for. And uh, and he's, he, he was in awe that what he's been teaching is exactly what they are seeking. And uh, it's, it's, it's intense. It is intense. That's why you really need to um, have your pad and pencil available. And there's a couple of books that he's actually using because it's research-based. And uh, I put those books inside the Facebook group. And, and one of them is um, Change the Culture, Change the Game. That's his main premise. Change the culture, change the game. And anytime, that's why people all keep asking, why do I call this the garden? Because in the garden is where you grow. And when you grow, it's going to be uncomfortable. But, man, what happens when you bloom? There's some beautifulness going on. And so you got to get through all that. And many people have assisted over the 30 years of me being athletic administration, got them jobs, but then when they get there, they are all discontented, and I'm like, okay, let me let me create some programs to help them see it differently, to change their perspective from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. And again, this is why I partner with Dr. Chico Carwell because he is definitely going. I mean, when I say he's going in for the last two weeks, he's talking about accountability and. Um, and what happens when you have a staff person who is not on the same team as you? And then last week it was um, uh, about a whole team and how you get them on board. And uh, and then he's taking uh, one-on-one time with people as they get ready, get them ready for that interview. And, and just, again, we are in the business of growing people. And uh, I'm excited about that. So if you would like to join us tomorrow, and I really would tell you this is this is crucial, uh, go to successcultureconsultantcoach.com, successcultureconsultantcoach.com to register for tomorrow's session, which begins at 11 a.m. And uh, you will not be disappointed. And I'm Again, I try not to miss it. I just changed my mother's doctor's appointment because I was like, look, I can't miss this 11 o'clock. Not just because I'm co-organizer. It's just because I don't want to miss any of this great learning, okay? And so the most important thing is when you're going for your next, you got to be able to uh, speak the language of the of the hiring people. And, then, you know, if you can go in and say, I want to build a culture not and a success culture, and how you plan on doing that, you got that job. 
you got that job, you know, that that's the key. So um, go come and get some, come get some learning so you can go ahead and continue to lead. Um, here's another resource that I highly recommend. Um, it's called Surviving the Lights of Professional Athletes Playbook to Avoid the Curse by Tawana Smith. And uh, I wholeheartedly believe in this document because, um, especially if you have not had a pro athlete uh, come out of your program before, uh, and they, and they come to you for advice, this is a great tool to be able to walk in their shoes for a moment to say, "Have you considered? Have you considered?" Uh, there's so many things that I just didn't know until I read the book that you don't get paid until the game starts. So just because you get drafted in April does not mean that you're going to be able to uh, um, benefit from uh, that signing yet. Uh, you might get a signing bonus, but uh, all that that you plan on, you know, so should you buy a house for your mother straight up, you know, and then for yourself, she should just run an apartment because who knows that, um even though you might assign with one, you might get traded to another one, especially happens to basketball. Oh, my goodness. You know, so you need to have somebody who's kind of walked this line before. And uh, so, and and don't take my word for it. This is a great resource. It's so great that the NFL bought the book for all the Celebration Bowl uh, attendees. So if that's not an endorsement enough, I don't know what it is. So, it's on Amazon in three different formats, paperback, um, ebook, and audio. Okay, so uh, get that resource, uh, share it with your student athletes, um, make their journey uh, successful. And speaking of books, I too have a uh, story in a book. I wrote a little bit of my journey of athletic administration uh, that began uh, as an intern with the CIAA in 1988. Uh, then I became a full-time, uh, the first full-time female SID for the CIAA at uh, St. Paul's College, and I worked for the very first female AD of the CIAA, Jeanette Ailey, and uh, boy, was that a great experience. Um, and then uh, I became interim AD at 28 years old, um, and then I left to go Division One, did compliance there for a hot minute, and then I came back to the CIAA uh, as director of PR, and then became become promoted to uh, director of championships, director of governance, and right before my departure, uh, chief of staff. And so, uh, but my, my 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 story does not cover all of that, but it does be- cover the beginning. And so many of you all who ask questions such as, how do you get in, what do you do, what was your journey, um, and then the most important part, um, how do you withstand some of the potholes? And that's what I really want to cover. So, that, so I, I joined an anthology. The, the anthology is called Removing the uh, Face, but I my chapter is called um, Public Figure Mask, Exit Stage Left. And I'm just here to tell you, if you ever become a first, you're automatically a public figure. 
And I know you're going like, you know, uh, well, you know, it's for 30 years we don't still have any first, and you know we do, which we all celebrate. See, that's the key. We all celebrate the first. But you got to be able to understand um, that you're going to need some additional tools. The tools that got you there, and the tools going to keep you there. And they're not tools such as uh, what we talked about with Dr. Caldwell, per, per se. They're going to be tools uh, such as having a counselor on your speed dial. And I'm just so proud of so many women inside the garden who are saying, you know, we're dealing with uncertain times and dealing with change and um, um, losing some time with our students and and having fear. Uh, That sometimes causes some type of grief and any kind of loss. And there is nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with seeking counseling. And that's where my premise is. Uh, I, I share sometimes that I know I should have, and sometimes that uh, I, I hit a wall, a wall literally and figuratively. And I don't want uh, any other individuals to be like, ooh, ooh, you know, she's my hero, she's my shero. And I'm like, yeah, but I need to let you know some things that, that come along with that. I don't have a problem with that with that title. Um, uh, that crown But I will tell you this And if you know me If I see you and I know that you're about to uh, Tip I'm going to straighten you up Because I'm going like I've been down that road I don't want you to have to stumble So uh, If you want to check my, my story out Go to publicfiguremass.com Publicfiguremass.com And I'll be glad to Sign it and send it to you So today Today, I am ecstatic about our guest today. Um, I have read and seen her for years, and what I'm so excited about is that I think that she's a sister HBCU grad, and um, I'm pretty sure we come up through the same ranks because she was, uh, I was a mass media major at Hampton University. She was communication major at uh, Florida A&M. And uh, I, I know Alvin um, Hollins back then. And so, um, and then when I see her, when I see or hear her, my heart leaps. My heart leaps. So, welcome to the garden, Tiffany Green. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm uh, delighted to be here. You hear your tears? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, appreciate that. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm just so delighted that you were able to join us, and you represent us so well, so well. HBCU women, uh, football, I mean, and I know you heard me talk about the documentary that's coming out. So, mm-hmm. oh, my goodness, I'm so excited. So I'm going to try to really stay centered. So please share with us uh, your journey from college to now. Wow. Um, well, I knew in my heart of hearts that Florida A&M was the right university for me. I'm a fourth-generation graduate, so there's a long-standing tradition and history within our family. And once I ascended upon the hill, I just tried to do literally everything I knew possible uh, in terms of 
involvement with television and radio and newspaper. I wanted to learn everything that I could. And um, it was actually my time, I think it was a junior or senior year, and many of us ventured to Howard University for a job fair. And that's when I first made contact with the folks at ESPN. And a guy by the name of Fred Brown, he was a production uh, coordinator and manager at the time, said, well, would you like something behind the scenes? I said, no, um, I'm willing to learn, but my ultimate goal is to, you know, be on air. I want to be a sportscaster. And so we just kept in touch, and I think that was uh, my first contact with ESPN. And I'll take you through a little bit of the journey before I actually made it uh, to the network. So once I graduated and, and got a fantastic education and preparation for the real world, the only thing that, that FAMU's um, School of Journalism and Graphic Communication didn't prepare me for were office room and real world politics, right? Mm-hmm. Really more office politics. But um, I, I felt like my training was um, more than enough and I was ready to hit the ground running. Oddly enough, I sold cars for a little bit of the summer after I graduated because that's something I just always wanted to do, and then started as a part-time production assistant at a startup station in my hometown of Tampa. So I was doing everything from audio operator, floor director, editing, uh, and I just continued to raise my hand and say, hey, you know, I know how to do this. Hey, do you mind if I do that? And taking that initiative. So I spent six short months there, tried to make as great of an impact as I could, incredibly eager. And then a friend of mine called me and said, hey, we have a one-man band position open, which is shooting, editing, and writing all of your own stuff, now known as a MMJ, a multimedia journalist. Mm. And... I said, okay, you know, I'm game. So I sent my information, and I moved to Savannah, Georgia, and was with the duopoly there, ABC and Fox affiliate, for three and a half years. And I made it clear from the beginning, no matter where I was hired, hey, I'm interested in doing sports. Those opportunities weren't as readily available to me at the time. So I said, okay, well, I'll bust my chops, and I'll be a general assignment news reporter. First three months there, I ended up being a photographer for other reporters, which was humbling, but mm-hmm. uh, something that I feel like I truly appreciate it. And I'm sorry I'm giving the, the long version. Of no, it, no, no, please do. Please these do. points are, are critical to who I've become and where I am because I feel it necessary that you learn all parts mm-hmm. of your industry as best as you can to have a greater appreciation because we're a team, right? I I don't Mm -hmm. get on television and do what I do without the cooperation and help of the producer, the director, the graphics, the AP, the audio engineer, (laughs) the cameraman, you know, all those things. And so um, I, I just think I gained a greater appreciation throughout the way. And I felt like I was versatile enough Mm -hmm. that should any situation arise, I was prepared to tackle or handle that or could step in and say, hey, I could do that, trying to make myself more valuable. Um, And then after three and a half years in Savannah, I worked at another station 
uh, as a sports reporter and photographer for a little bit. I had the opportunity to move to Orlando, which was a blessing in disguise because it was a help for me personally and professionally. My grandmother lived there, and she was getting up there in age, and so I wanted to be there with her despite the fact that I still was not taking a sports job. And I've been Mm -hmm. saying since I was uh, five years old that I want to be a sportscaster. But this was a feature reporter position at a 24-hour news network in Orlando. And it was during that time that I continued to just get stronger as a writer and a reporter and gain that greater live experience in a larger market, right? Because I had kind of made some of my, my mistakes in Savannah and then learned and got even better when I was in Orlando. And God just orchestrated it in such a way that that 24-hour news network turned into, uh, also started a 24-hour sports network, mm. which was known as Bright House Sports Network at the time. And for me, that was a true launching point because I then got a chance to do it every day. I had done it sparsely in my other jobs, but it wasn't a primary focus day in and day out. And so when I got the opportunity to be an anchor, host, reporter, did sideline for our state football championships here in the state of Florida, mm-hmm. I was play-by-play. You don't get play-by-play experience very often. <laughs> and right. if you are getting that experience, you don't get paid much. So, um, you know, just depending upon, especially when you're starting out, it's a, it's a little bit different because it's such a, a niche type of job. And had it not been for, I think, BHSN, I don't know where I would have gone uh, or, or what would have been the next step because I was calling state championships for girls basketball, boys basketball, softball, baseball, volleyball, and it opened me up to so much more. And mm-hmm. um, I'm a firm believer in uh, mentorship as well as being connected to people that look like you and me in our business and in our industry because uh, we help each other a lot. Just like mm-hmm. you talked about earlier, all the connection points of people that, you know, you've helped and have helped you uh, just trying to grow and better people. And so the National Association of Black Journalists uh, has done that for me since day one, being in front of executives, getting professional development training, connecting with mentors, and just seeing people that you're hoping to one day be like or be in the same room with. Um, And it was a gentleman by the name of Roy Hamilton, who was a former Fox Sports executive, who saw my work play-by-play announcer. And he said, okay, well, let me give you this opportunity. Send me some more of your work and let's have a discussion. So I did. (laughs) And he said, well, we're starting up Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2, and the inaugural Big East Women's Basketball Package, I think you'd be perfect for. Would you be interested? (laughs) And without hesitation, I mean, naturally, yes. Um, But I had to, you know, clear that because I was working still in Orlando full time. And then this required me to then travel and go away and work on the weekends. Mm. So thankfully I had cooperation from 
you know, both my current employer and with Fox to be able to, you know, get that done. And I was working seven days a week for a couple of years, mm. but it was uh, it was a great experience, learned a lot, and that was my, what I felt like, true introduction onto a national scene and to show that I could do it and that I could be a play-by-play voice, which was currently or most dominantly occupied by white men. Mm. And I was a different voice, and I looked different, and I provided something different to the broadcast. Mm. And I had a great time doing it. And from that point, I had done some freelancing with ESPN in the process as a sideline reporter for college football, but I raised my hand and said, I want to be a play-by-play announcer. And that uh, job fair back in my junior year of college, I think it was, to the time that I actually signed on full-time with ESPN was about 13 years. So, Mm. you know, you till the soil, you'll reap a harvest, I believe. Mm -hmm. And in the process, I learned so much, so certainly wouldn't give anything from our journey and learned a ton in the process. Well, you got to tell us how you got the ESPN gig. Well, I got the ESPN gig because I just sent my information over to them and I kept that relationship for so long um, with them and through NABJ getting a chance to, you know, constantly see those executives or those in leadership Uh, consistently over the years, and I uh, found uh, a woman, you know, just say, hey, can you put me in contact with here, put me in contact with there, and the Final Four was here uh, in Tampa, and I talked with uh, who is now my boss, Meg Aronowitz. She was over volleyball and softball at the time, and she says, hey, I mean, I'd love for you to do some games and, and come on. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, okay, <laughs> I'll take that opportunity. So it, it grew from volleyball, basketball, softball, and then the addition of football. And I, I dibbled and dabbled, but in 20, I'll get my years right, 2018, uh, I was on the team with, Jay Walker for mm-hmm. our HBCU coverage um, and happened to be, which I am proud of. And at the same time, when you were talking about first, I also am ashamed that it took all this mm-hmm. time for mm-hmm. it to be someone like me to represent in my position, but the first African-American woman to call college football for a major network. Yes. Um and so I'm indeed proud of that, and I'm thankful that the door is open, and I'm trying to do my absolute best to make sure that I kick it off the hinges so that more young women and men that are black and brown can have this opportunity. Well, I'm going to say thank you. Thank you for being a billboard for other young people because, uh, again, I graduated 30 years ago from Hampton University, and I interned at BET, and they had sports section in there. And 
I just remember there was one young lady there, just one lady inside the 09 section, and she was behind the scenes, and there was Nicole. Um, I'm mm-hmm. sure she's part of NADJ. And uh, and I was a member, too, when I was in school. But mm-hmm. it's interesting because I have a student in my class. And uh, and because it's, you gotta, uh, people are advising you. You have to understand they're coming to you from their experiences. So mm-hmm. hearing you talk, because she says she wants to be a commentator. And mm-hmm. then I'm thinking... You know, but you have so much more power if you're the person writing, if you're the producer, you know. And so before we go to commercial, can you tell me, uh, because I'm sure somebody told you the same thing, but you continue to say, no, I want to be a commentator. What gave you that thought of, no, this is what I know I want? Uh, Because in my mind, the producer is a safe place because, I think probably because by the time you came along, you had to learn how to do it all, and that was great. But when I was interning in TV, and I was nosy enough to stay around the engineers and the editors to see how it was done, but you wasn't going to get put it in my hand. What made you have that, that stay with this is what I know I want, even though people are trying to give you the safe way out? <laughs> yeah. Well, my mom was trying to certainly encourage me to stay in news because she felt like that was a lot more stable mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. in the process. But I, it, it was just, it was what my passion was. I mean, I had written down in a little kindergarten yearbook, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I wrote Sportscaster, which I still have it's sitting at my parents' house. And mm-hmm. to me, I never wanted to deviate from that because all throughout my life, was building up for that moment, right? I sat there and I was, you know, a tomboy in the sense that I was always outside playing sports. I was watching sports all the time. I was collecting baseball, football, and basketball cards. Mm. I was mimicking and imitating, you know, the announcers that I heard on television. I just always wanted to do it. So for me, it was a lifelong dream, and I wasn't going to stop till I fulfilled that. And in the process, I understood that I knew detours were going to happen and I wasn't going to run, you know, straight ahead, but I never lost sight of my goal. And I literally wrote out a roadmap <laughs> of how I was going to get to where I wanted to be. Now, certainly I stayed in places longer but it's not my timing, it's God's timing. Mm -hmm. And I was appreciative for all of those because if I had moved too quickly, I may not have been ready. So it was just this burning desire inside of me to say, no, I ultimately want to be here and to do this. And, yes, you do have to yield or be willing to be flexible enough that if it doesn't fit in your construct that you don't just get shaken but you try to finesse whatever the situation is and make it work for you as best as possible. Outstanding. So we're going to take a really a short break here in Chatting Garden with Monique A.J. Smith here on Survival Radio Network. When we return, we continue chatting with Tiffany Green. This is Michelle McKinney, the owner of Third Degree Solutions. I would like to introduce you to our program, Excel After Sports where we are career services for the athletes. 
Our goal is to create well-rounded athletes and to aid them to be successful on and off the field. Our mission is to prepare them for the evolution of their next. We accomplish this by creating a series of professional development workshops tailored to the athletes. We know that an athlete's time is limited, so we'll work with you and your teams to tailor a schedule that fits everybody's needs. So please contact me, Michelle McKinney, at Third Degree Solutions, 919-271-8351, the career services for your athletic department, as we aid you and your team to excel after sports. Hi, this is Eric Smith, also known as the Financial Literacy Coach or the Money Coach. You know, financial literacy is the one life skill that every single one of your students is going to need in life. Without financial literacy, their life will be much more difficult, but with it, it's going to be much better. And there's no one better to increase financial literacy than the financial literacy coach. We can be reached at area code 770-527-4380 by email at eric at thefinancialliteracycoach.com. One more time, by phone, that's area code 770-527-4380. And by email, eric at thefinancialliteracycoach.com. I wish you the best. Hi, are you frustrated at work? Do you want to know how to position yourself for promotion? Then Queen's Moves is the workshop for you. Why? Because as women, we need to know our value, be confident in our options, and seize opportunities when they come along, just like a well-played queen in the game of chess. My name is Michelle Larkin of Yumi Connections, and I have developed this online workshop to teach you how to think strategically, develop a personal strategy, build confidence, and create professional momentum. I encourage you to visit queensmoves.net for more details and more information about signing up and registering. This course will equip and inspire you to move like the queen that you are. Classes start November 1st. Royal Court for Us, established in 2017, is a jewelry and apparel company. Our bracelets and clothing designs use vibrant colors and come with their own purpose and meaning. Our company focused on empowering, inspiring, unifying, and reminding each other that we come from royalty, that we are strong and powerful, and it's imperative that we support each other. So check us out on Instagram at Royal Court for Us or our website at www.royalcourtforus.com. Why do colleges support student-athletes pursuing every profession except professional sports? Why are they treated as the students when they're athletes, knowing that they need help surviving the lights? I'm Tawana Smith, and as a former Division I and pro athlete and now best-selling author, I've created a transition system specifically for student-athletes called Surviving the Lights. For more information, visit www.survivingthelights.com to learn how we can change the game together. Let's face it, the AD position is an executive position, a member of the president's administrative team, the cabinet. The department deserves the same level of leadership, knowledge, talent, experience, and professionalism as any top official on campus. Presidents are looking for AD leadership who know how to build a success culture. 
Recognizing this changing landscape in athletics, join me at SuccessCultureConsultantCoach.com for info on my next course on building a success culture. Well, welcome back to A Chat in the Garden with Monique A.J. Smith, where significance blooms in athletics and sports business. Well, Tiffany, i got a couple of questions for you. you okay. Ready? All right. I'm ready. Tracy Allsbrooks, awards program, uh, uh, award-winning program coordinator at Sports Business Journal Daily. What is the likelihood that college football will be fanless in the fall, and will that affect your ability to provide commentary? Yeah, I think that's an ever-evolving question that has yet to be really nailed down. The way that it's looking, um, I think each conference may do something a little different, if, mm-hmm. if, if we're honest. I don't know if there is going to be a staggered start or if everyone will start at the same time. I think that could affect it as well, depending upon what the universities decide to do. So if they're not allowing, you know, students back on campus, then there's a good chance that, you know, football may not happen. That's one possibility which seems to, we seem to be moving further and further away from, I think. The mm-hmm. other piece of it is if there are no fans in the stands, um, but students are, uh, some students are back on campus, you know, the question is, does it really benefit some of the schools? If you have a major television contract and there are deals and things tied to it, then I think, yes, that's a possibility that we'll see it. Uh, but I know that there are new and innovative ways that uh, our company is looking at broadcasting those games. If they do go on mm-hmm. by way of either we still may travel there or something that we have lean more heavily on in recent years called Remy, which is remote integration. So we'll go to our facilities and then call the game off the monitors. Mm -hmm. I mean, there could even be a possibility of us being home and seeing what you're seeing as a viewer on television and us providing commentary there. There There's so many still Mm -hmm. uh, variables and unknowns out there, but those are some of the possibilities. Um, okay, let me, I'm going to write my own question down because I don't want to miss this one. Okay, so John Westbrook of the SWAC, what makes you so passionate about covering HBCU sports, and do, and do you ever want to cover anything other than the HBCU brand? Well, I think it's a complete ple- blessing to <laughs> to cover HBCUs because I'm an HBCU grad. I get us. I love our culture. I love our people. And so I love being uh, around us, and um, that's the opportunity that I get on Saturdays during the fall. But I do also have um, different packages and different sports. So I cover a lot of SEC for volleyball and for Mm. basketball and softball. I also bounce around to ACC, Big 12, Big 10, Pac-12, so I've covered a number of different conferences uh, throughout my career, and, and I do that throughout a calendar year. Mm-hmm. So I think I feel like I get the best of both worlds. But it's 
the HBCU brand where I feel like most home, right? Because mm-hmm. it's us, and I, I I was raised in it. You know, we always went to games, we watched games, um, and and it's a it's a point of pride for my family mm-hmm. that just about everybody, and that's including grandmas and grandfathers and aunts, uncles, cousins. We all uh, attended. HBCUs. I'd say about ninety percent of us, mm-hmm. and uh, we they have some. We have some HU grads now. You know, we got to figure out who the real HU is, Monique. Oh Lord, here we go. <laughs> you do know that I work with my dear, <laughs> dear partner yeah. friend Jay Walker. Yeah. Uh, so we always have those conversations. But whether it's Howard Hampton, Morehouse Spellman, uh, Florida A and M, Xavier. You name it, Southern. Um, we're just proud. Uh, we're just proud uh, to be HBCU grads, and so I'm I'm thankful that I get this platform to share it with the rest of the world about just how great we are. Well, I met you at in person at the MIAC football mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. tip off last year, and mm-hmm. um, I was just so tickled pink that you were up there co-hosting. That was the first. That was the first of me ever seeing a woman doing that out of my 30 years of being in this business. And I was just just overjoyed, just overjoyed. Okay. Thank you. So I have, we, had to, we had to switch that up now, you know. Oh, yes. That was great. It was, it was, it was time for the switch, to switch things up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I was taking pictures like crazy. I said, I got to get this moment in time. The FID in me just came out. Um, but I, I do, speaking of uh, how, Howard, I just want to give a shout-out to Ed Hill. Ed Hill was like, uh, Monique, you got to get Tiffany Green. I was like, man, we already in contact. Okay, don't worry. I'm going to get her on here. So Ed Hill's a legend out of Howard. And he's a fan of yours. And I am a fan of his. He is always so kind. Uh, We communicate. He oftentimes is sending me articles and um, or he's uh, suggesting young ladies that I, you know, should talk to or Mm -hmm. I would mentor. And and I love that because that's why I'm here. Like, I'm not here just for myself. Like, that's cool. Sorry, you you may hear my three-year-old son in the back. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, it's that's not right. Right now, because my husband's not here, but um, that's what I'm here for. Like, I asked God and and prayed about elevating me to a position where I could influence, you know, black girls and boys. Mm. And um, you know, this is the way that He's allowed me to do that. Yes, in your dream, and um. I always appreciate when people come my way to say, hey, you know, what do I need to do? Whether it's seeking advice or looking at my reel or, you know, let's let's engage in a true mentorship relationship. Well, speaking of that, I'm going to give a shout-out to my student, Jessica Coleman. She's the one who is telling me continuously that she wants to do football. She was in my race and gender class, uh, talking about mm-hmm. football. She, I mean, it. Yeah, so definitely, um, because we weren't in class, I didn't remind her to listen, but I know I'm going to have her do this replay. You know what, I'm going to have her do this transcripts just because. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, t- 
two more questions, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, Sonia Hurt, uh, um, she would like to know, I know ESPN keeps you busy, but what grassroots projects do you support and participate in doing your downtown time, if you, if you have any? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, something that I'm very passionate about is, um, <clears throat> is working with young people, right? So mm-hmm. I I volunteered. So I created a program actually this past year. I'm a Boys and Girls Club alum, right? So I came mm-hmm. up through the Boys and Girls Club. I absolutely loved my experience and time there, and I um, wanted to reconnect. I sat on uh, the boards in previous years in, in different cities, and when I got here and the Final Four returned, one of the things that I thought was so important was to, A, welcome people back to Tampa because I think we do the Final Four really well here. But then mm-hmm. also it have a purpose, and I was finally in a position and, and ready uh, with, you know, having welcomed a son and that kind of changing my life and obviously traveling a lot. I was like, mm, I don't know what I can, you know, commit to. And mm-hmm. finally I, I prayed about it and I said, okay, I want to work with young girls, and so it's um, Smart Girls Lead. So Mm. we are focusing on areas of leadership, empowerment, um, and um, exposure. Mm -hmm. Also, um, just having the acumen, right, to be able Mm. to – um, move in different spaces and know what's needed and necessary, but you got you also have to have access to those things. Yes. Um, so so giving them access and then development, which mm-hmm. falls on like professional development and how they prepare. So we meet monthly at the Boys and Girls Club. They've gone with me to the Florida Classic. And, you know, sometimes people will say, oh, well, what exactly do you do? So they were with me. Mm-hmm. Um, during that process, and it's it's a it's a group of about fifteen young ladies in both uh, middle and high schools, and the goal is to see them through. Actually, my husband, who is an educator uh, at a school nearby, is planning to start something for the men. So uh, mm-hmm. our our hope is to build our community. Um, that that is of greatest importance. And I know we put a ton of emphasis, and yes, I I work in sports, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And and that has been a great teacher for me. But I want us in our community to care as much about our education as we do athletics Mm -hmm. and put that same type of energy behind getting a good education. And that can be in many forms, right? Not everybody is slated to go to college or fit that format, but trades and, and, and how we as black people were able to, you know, get ahead and have success is that you know, people used to work with their hands. And mm-hmm. I don't think we should, uh, you know, venture away from that. So my husband and I are um, looking to um, sponsor one child to go back to trade school and, and, mm-hmm. and continue that trend. Uh, and then I also work with the USF Selman uh, Mentoring Institute as well, where connect with a student athlete and um, mentor them. Outstanding. Okay, so I'm going to try to get this other one in. Uh, ATN Tom. I'm sorry. I'm going to cut my answers down. (laughs) Okay. No, 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 no. That's fine. That's fine. ATN Thomas, AD Winston-Salem. What additional actions can we take from the campus 
at the AD level to ensure more coverage for HBCUs, HBCU women's sports, and especially D2 outside of tournament time? Yeah, I think um, certainly as the opportunity and space for uh, coverage Mm -hmm. grows with um, technology, right? Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. there is, I'm speaking, this is is now more of a company stance, right? So there's ESPN um, 3 and ESPN Plus, and... um, you know, creating those infrastructures. And I know they're doing that at the D1 level, and I hope that it continues to trickle down uh, to D2, D3, because I think it's fair that everyone gets coverage. For so long, I would say, um, women's sports, you know, were just kind of felt as, they just didn't get the same amount. You know, it, mm-hmm. it felt sometimes like they were covered as secondary. But there has been a great push, especially within women's college basketball, mm-hmm. uh, to help change that narrative. I know that the college softball community has a very large fan base. So my thoughts would be to uh, pitch those stories, submit those stories. And mm-hmm. if you are saying, well, where do I do that? I mean, I'll give you my email, Tiffany.Green, that's G-R-E-E-N-E, at ESPN.com, because sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And while our offices are, you know, headquartered in Bristol and we have another office in Charlotte, unless there is a connection point to some of those schools, you may not necessarily think about it. So put it on our radar and, and reach out mm-hmm. to us and, and tweet us and <laughs> hold us accountable, uh, not just us as ESPN, but, you know, all networks. Um, and, and Because compelling stories are compelling stories. Good human mm-hmm. interest stories are good human interest stories. And if you may not sell the program um, directly, right, you could also sell a player or a coach or tradition or something within the program that helps um, get it on the radars of, of others. Human interest stories are the key. Now mm-hmm. I've got two minutes, and I know I don't, but I just want to say endorse this analytics. That's the next thing. Don't you agree? Analytics? Yes. Mm-hmm. In, 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 what, in, in what form or fashion? I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't. Uh, when it comes to, because you were talking about uh, covering games and maybe mm-hmm. watching it, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. the the key is to grab people. I, if I had to go back to school, I would go back for analytics so I would know. I know when you do stats and be able to tell their story, but there's so many. Oh, yeah. uh, the customer wants more information like human interest stories, and mm-hmm. analytics helps you tell that story. Yeah, uh, analytics can help be that. But, I mean, but people tell that story. Right. We as people in connection. And I think now more than ever, if we're honest, since we're having this national conversation during this social unrest and it's being brought to everyone's attention, mm-hmm. I, I think this is a great time to hold everyone's feet to the fire to say, okay, well, if if, if we're covering sports and we're covering athletes that are, you know, black, 
um, we need to hear from all all sides and all facets. Mm-hmm. Like, don't just talk about it and release a you know a pretty little statement and saying we support it. Show us you support it. And I think now more than ever is a great time to apply that pressure. Tiffany, thank you so much for your time. This has been wonderful. Hope it won't be our last time. No, I'll be happy to come back. Thank you for for having me on. I appreciate the questions, too. Outstanding. And join us next Wednesday at 10 a.m. on the Chat and Guard with Monique A.J. Smith. Have a significant rest of the day. <laughs>